so glad you're with us here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. My goal to make it fatter for you. And by the way, I want you to know, if you do have some money you can afford to spend right now at ClarkDeals.com, we are chock-a-block full of bargains for you. You know, January is the ultimate bargain month of the year because so many people are tapped out from Christmas and the airlines are offering all kinds of deals. So many retail stores are offering deals and we've got them in many, many different categories for you right now at ClarkDeals.com. Now here's a non-deal deal. Coming up in just a few minutes in today's Clark Rages moment, Verizon has done something really hideous to school children, and I'm going to tell you what it is, and unacceptable behavior from Verizon, who's gone into a defensive crouch, not responding. I believe that as more and more of us draw attention to Verizon's thick-headed stupidity and selfishness, that they will change their minds on what they're doing to school kids, and I'll share with you. Coming up yet later, there's a proposal that was flouted by a new member of Congress to have a 70% federal tax rate. And there's a lot of um, a lot of interesting reaction to that, including an amazing level of support for that across the political spectrum with Republicans, Democrats, and Independents. I want to explain to you what that's about and what it would mean to potentially your and my wallet. So speaking of your and my wallet, Netflix has gotten more media coverage in the last day than, I mean, I can't remember a time that they got this kind of media coverage. And the reason is because their rate plans are going up 13 to 18%. Now, (laughs) people are going crazy about this. And I think that it brings up an opportunity for me to discuss something important for your wallet. So Netflix, the cheapest plan of all, is going to $9.00. Their most popular plan is going to 13, and there's a a multi-multi-user plan that is going to, I think it's 16 a month, something like that, 16. And the reality is Netflix has been essentially subsidizing everybody, their stockholders have been subsidizing everybody, is Netflix growing market share up to, I guess, 50 million American households, some number like that, have Netflix now. And they've been losing money on us every month. And on top of it, Netflix originally was all back catalog stuff, Uh, older movies and TV shows, but really only became immensely popular when Netflix started doing original programming, started winning Emmys for it, and... The cost of original programming is ginormous, and that's a technical movie term, ginormous. And so they have been subsidizing this, their stockholders have been, and they're like, can't do that anymore. So that's why the prices are going up to 9 to 16 a month. So 
couple of things for you with any streaming product. A lot of people over time have signed up for this one for $8 and this one for $12 and this other one for $9 and on like that. Before you know it, you're spending real money on these streaming products. What are you watching? Are you watching them? So if Netflix has done any favor for your wallet at a time they're increasing prices, it's to make you think through, is it useful for you? Do you watch it? Do you use it? If you have Hulu that you're paying for, are you using it? Are you watching it? Any streaming product that you're paying for, it just hits that bill month after month, debiting from your checking account or billing to a credit card. Are you actually using it? I should mention as a side note for Netflix subscribers, a lot of Netflix subscribers don't know that most T-Mobile plans include free Netflix. And you may be a T-Mobile subscriber paying them and a Netflix subscriber paying them when you can actually get the Netflix for free. So just a reminder of that if you didn't know that or a note of that if you didn't know that. So with any of these streams, and the, they're going to proliferate because a lot of content players are going to want to have their own proprietary stream product that only has their programming on it instead of something like Netflix or Hulu or Amazon Prime that has content from so many different people. Disney is going to have its own suite of streaming products. Uh, Comcast is going to have their own under the NBC brands where they're going to have their own streams. CBS already has their own. ESPN, which is owned by Disney, they have their own now. And you're going to see this happen where you're going to have to make choices of which of these things you really want. We don't need any of them. Which we want which are actually worth spending money for. Because if you're not careful, the whole idea of being able to go to the streams is that you're able to take an average pay TV bill over 100 bucks and cut it by more than half. But if you add too many of these things incrementally, this one, then that one, then the other, you could end up paying a whole lot more money. And that is not Clark Smart to do that. Karen is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Karen. How are you? Great. Thank you, Karen. How can I serve you today? Oh, my gosh. First of all, I'm so excited and nervous <laughs> to be on your show. So thank you so much for taking my call. I, Certainly. I am a big listener and a big fan. Thank you. Okay. So um, I am a mentor for a child in foster care in Washington, D.C., where I live. And I got the idea. She's 15 now. She's halfway through her freshman year of high school. And, I, and she wants to go to college. Um, so I got the idea to try and start a 529 plan for her, which I learned about from you. And I know that I can do it with her not being my child. I've kind of done some research on that. But I don't know if it's actually worth it to do right now, given she's already so far along. She's not like a young kid. And because we don't know what's going to happen with the market. So my question to you was, is it still smart to invest in a 529 plan for someone who's already, you know, a freshman in high school right now? And if not, where should I put the money? 
Uh, so the first thing, yes, it does make sense to do the 529. Because as okay. a freshman in high school, if you go into the age-based portfolio in a 529 plan, it already right. is going to be a more conservative portfolio. Because the way these plans work is they work in age bands. So like somebody zero to two, the money going into a 529 will very heavily be put into stock choices. On the other hand, a child 14 to 16, 16 to 18, depending on how the state plan divides up the kids' age bands, it's going to be much more conservative, much more designed to preserve money than to have it at the level of risk you would have with a newborn. So it does make sense. In addition of the earnings, the earnings, um, all whatever you'd have over the next four to eight years, because, I mean, think about freshman year is four years away, senior year eight. I mean, you got a, a lot of That's time a really good point. Okay. that this money can grow. And um, and you never know when somebody goes to undergraduate school, if they really are successful in undergraduate, they may go on to grad school. So the money could just sit there and grow and grow and grow for years to come. So I think it's it's fine to do that. And you doing it... Um, just because you've got such a good heart is great as well. You can okay. you can uh, you can open one of these with tiny amounts of money and add to them as you wish or add to them on a regular basis with an equal amount of money you put in every month. And can I ask you a question about I mentioned that we live in Washington DC. And I went on your website, and it could have been that I did something wrong, but I wasn't able to find the D.C. specific, you know, your assessment of how what you thought of D.C.'s plan. Yeah, because I didn't, I didn't, that, that it, it's so tiny, and the base of people is so small that the D.C. plan, I didn't even list or talk about. So I, I <laughs> well, actually, that my question. <laughs> I actually want you to go into one of the Dean's List plans of which I've got approximately 12 now. And you can you can pick any state you want of the dean's list plans because you don't have to be a resident of the state to put money in the plan. Got it. Okay. All right. So I'm not going to mess with D.C. We will look outside of D.C. for the plan. And the answer is yes, even if it's a 15-year-old, still do it. Absolutely. If that kid's uh, determined to go to college you definitely want to make that happen for her as the best place to stash college cash. Linda's with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hi, Linda. Hi, Clark. Thank you so much for taking my call. Certainly, Linda. I have a question about uh, selling my home in the traditional way or the new way that they're doing things now when they will outright buy your home. You have no showings, nothing. Um, and you just you just move out, and I'm wondering what is the skinny on that. So What's we've got case? we've got these companies springing up around the country. We've got OfferPad. We have Knock. Uh, Trying to remember who else we have that doing this. Um, there are there are probably <laughs> there are probably six of them now around the country fighting for market share city by city. So these things tend to be able to price pretty well. Open door is another one that's in this business. They tend to work pretty well in suburban areas 
where there are a lot of homes of similar size and description, you know, like a uh, subdivision where they build like four or six different building plans throughout the neighborhood. It's pretty easy for these companies to figure out fair market value. They won't do houses at the very high end of the market that are too individualized. And they just make you an offer, and what you get for it is you get certainty. You can just move when you want uh, as quickly as just a few days to as long as several weeks, and you're out, you're done. Um, What you may lose is you may get a little bit lower price than you would selling a traditional way. Hmm. It wouldn't be a substantial amount then? No, this is really different from what we had last decade, where there were a lot of people uh, preying on people's uh, situations that were difficult during the housing bust, and were coming in and offering to buy a home, cash, you know, a few days to closing and all that, and get you out from under maybe being um, in trouble with your loan. And so now, this is a different kind of business. This is an algorithm-driven business where they're able, they believe, to come up with a reasonable approximation of fair market value, get you out of the home, fix whatever needs fixing, usually charge you for that, write you your check, and then all they're about is marketing that house and getting it sold within 45 days. Ah, okay. And so these started off, each of these Mm -hmm. companies started off in like, uh, two or three cities, and now like Open Door is in about 20 cities, just to name one of them. And so what I think is keep an open mind, get quotes from as many as are operating in your market and talk to traditional realtors that sell in your neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Okay, that sounds great. That's exactly what I was wondering about. I've seen a lot of it lately, and and so I'm thinking we want to put our house up on the market, but I didn't know which way I wanted to go. I know I really would love to just outright sell it and not show it as I have kids and toys everywhere, and it would be nice not to have to have an open house all the time. Well, that's what's created this market is certainty, number one, and number two, the uh, lack of disruption in your life when you just get an offer, you accept it, and you just go is awfully convenient. Today's Clark Rageous moment is one of those things I just shake my head at. To do things to harm our children, that's an area that really gets under my skin. And that's why you got to know today's Clark Rageous moment is focused like a bullseye on Verizon Wireless. Spams, ripoffs, outrages. It's a Clark Rageous moment. Your kids may or may not use in school something known as Remind. It's a system where teachers are able to use text messaging to communicate with their kids in their classrooms to remind them, hey, this assignment's due, don't forget we got that quiz tomorrow, all the rest. Well, it's been completely free on all cell phone platforms for teachers to text message kids on the Remind app, which is just a version of text messaging. Well, now Verizon deciding, hey, we got all these people that are using this. Maybe we should make some money on this. So Verizon has decided to take text messaging, turn it on its head, 
and charge a massive fee which will destroy the ability for teachers to be able to communicate in a simple way to all the kids in their classes. And Verizon has gone into hiding from the media, is not responding, and is just going forward with cramming this on. That's why there's now a social media campaign going on to embarrass Verizon. I want to make sure you know it. Verizon, I want to tell you my eyes are on you. Remember this, pigs get rich, hogs get slaughtered. You already charge more money than any other cell phone provider for monthly service. Do you really need to be a hog? Do you really need to, on top of that, harm our children? Harm our school kids? Think about this. Do the right thing. Great to have you here on the Clark Howard Show, where it's all about you and that wallet of yours. Just wanted to mention a side note. Just saw the latest trade on gasoline. And at wholesale, gasoline is down to $1.39 a gallon. So that's average around the country. To that, you add dealer markup and local and state taxes. But the price of gasoline is going to stay very favorable for your wallet, at least for the foreseeable future, which with oil, who knows when that turns. So I want to tell you that the challenge is underway at Clark.com slash challenge, we have a series of initiatives to try to encourage you to find $3,000 this year that will go into your wallet instead of being spent through the year. We have a number of techniques and strategies and a curriculum for you, but it's not a, a curriculum like in school because this is all about you winning. And so if you go to Clark.com slash challenge, you will see how it works. And the goal is for you to control your wallet, not for it to control you. Now, speaking of expenses, and I always mess up this woman's name, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, that on the blogs they call her AOC. AOC, how about that? Reduced to initials, is um, 29 years old, I think, and this is this socialist member of Congress from New York State, and she floated a proposal for a 70% personal income tax rate on people with higher incomes. So, what was very interesting about this is this was designed for people who make $10 million or more dollars a year. So only people like Joel would pay the 70%. That would be a huge bummer for me. Yeah, would. paying the 70%. I'd hate that. Yeah. But what was interesting was that there was polling done afterwards that found that there was wide support across the political spectrum. Nearly half of Republicans, 60% of independents, 70% of Democrats, 60% overall thought it was a great idea to have a tax on people who make huge money that was roughly double what the highest tax rate is today. Now to let you know, this is 
something that has precedent in American history. This will stun you. Do you know when uh, uh, the late President Kennedy came into office, the top federal tax rate was 91%. 91%. And then President Kennedy was looked at as a huge tax cutter when he got the Congress to cut the rate, the top one, to this same 70%. So it's all a matter of perspective where things are. But a couple of things based on what I've seen in people's responses to this that I want to explain to you. First of all, we're talking about what's known as marginal tax rates. And nobody really gets marginal tax rates. So what a marginal tax rate is, is it's what you make on the next dollar of earnings. So we have a bunch of tax brackets in the United States. And the way they work is you pay so much a percent of your income up to a certain level, and then above that you pay the next higher level and on like that. So income up to uh, $9,500 a year is 10% tax. From $9,500 a year to just under $40,000 is 12% tax. From just under 40 to just over 80, 22% tax. And then it continues up to the highest 37%. Who does the 37% apply to? Well, the first half a million, you're taxed at the stared up rates from 10 to 12 to 22, 24, 32, 35. And then 37% if you make a half million or more. So what uh, this Member of Congress is proposing AOC. I'm not going to be able to get used to that. Anyway, she's the dancing congresswoman, right? Anyway, is the idea that once your income hits uh, the stratosphere, which I'd say $10 million a year is stratosphere, you would pay 70% tax on $10 million a year and above. But the thing is, the reality with tax rates is that as you raise the rates, the people you're trying to target with those rates are in a position to hire lawyers and accountants, do workarounds, set up shell companies. That's not like shell oil or companies that collect seashells. It's a it's an expression in business that they uh, they move enterprises around to reduce the overall tax bill. They manipulate. And they have the money to manipulate by hiring the experts. And the truth is, you ultimately tend to collect more when you have simplified tax structures and simplified rates where people just say, okay, that's what it is, I'll pay that, than when you start boosting those rates. Because when tax rates were 91%, nobody was paying the 91% even among the people who were in income that they were supposed to pay the 91% because they had their team of people that were keeping that from happening. So unless your goal is to create full employment for accountants and lawyers, the real answer is tax simplification. And by the way, that's not what we got in last year's tax bill. Last year's tax bill was really only about serving the needs of big corporations and there's virtue in lowering the tax rates they pay 
but it had really nothing to do with you and me. And that's why a lot of people now face higher tax, uh, net tax bills under the new tax law than under the old one because somebody's got to pay for at least a portion of all those tax breaks for corporations. Andrew is with us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Andrew. How you doing? Hey, I'm doing well, Clark. How are you? Great. Thank you. So, Andrew, you followed that, uh, that path that I have laid out about dumping the hyper-expensive pay TV package, and now you're getting slapped around for following my path. Yeah, exactly. So, so tell me how bad it is. What's happened? Well, so we uh, we got rid of our dish and went to uh, YouTube TV and a couple other streaming options, and um, I've been very happy. Uh, cut our bill from about one hundred and ten dollars a month to uh, forty dollars a month, of course, for YouTube TV. And um, you know, something we've never looked at before, never even hit our radar, was that there's a, a data cap for our home internet. So. Um, you know, is yours one terabyte? You know, I'm not even sure. I think it's uh, maybe 500 gigs. And so above that, they charge you for every uh, 100 gigs. They charge you an extra 10 bucks a month. Exactly. So we had 30 dollars higher on the on the bill when I went to pay it this past weekend. And was what is going on here? And you know, talk to the talk to the internet provider and you know there you have it so we've been uh, exceeding our our data limit and the other options with staying with the same uh, internet provider is um, you know a very hefty almost seventy dollars a month to um, to go for unlimited and you know we're back to where we would be from the uh, the cost savings from switching from satellite uh, TV and so that didn't come about because your cable company was upset that you dump satellite it came no. about because the cable company doesn't want you to dump pay TV from them so I'm assuming so yeah so let me tell you the workaround that so many people are doing around the country. Are you T-Mobile for cell phone service? Yes. So with T-Mobile, you have unlimited stream with no data cap. Okay. And so now there are all these devices where you can project what's on your T-Mobile phone onto your TV. Okay. And if you want to have um, full high def, you have to pay T-Mobile... I think it's $15 more a month to have unlimited high-def streaming. And so you can project your YouTube TV right from your T-Mobile phone, right to your TV, and you may find uh, not too far in the future, you'll just completely dump your home internet connection from the Monopoly Cable Company. When I was at CES last week, there was one Wi-Fi company after another showing Wi-Fi devices that Wi-Fi from your cell phone a signal through your house. Interesting. Because you know you have the unlimited data and they don't um, prioritize your traffic till I think it's 52 gigs a month mm-hmm. on the T-Mobile. And pri- uh, network prioritization means... Only when you're in an area of network congestion do they dumb down your service till the heavy traffic clears up and then you go back to the fast speed. Excellent. 
um, that's why I called. That's a great solution. Thank you. And if you go to uh, an electronics online seller or an electronics store, they're selling a whole bunch of different gadgets that take the signal from people's T-Mobile phones. And I guess if others have unlimited data, it would be true, too, for video. And send it straight to the big TV you have so you get that experience of the high-def picture on your TV from your phone. Because at regular T-Mobile One, you're getting standard definition. You can't tell because with the screen size of your phone, it looks great, right? But if you projected it to a big screen, it would look pretty lame. Okay. And that's why you need the One Plus that will stream the video in high def. Excellent. Well, thank you. That's all very uh, informational. I appreciate it. My pleasure. And, you know, the thing is, is the monopoly phone companies and the monopoly cable companies try to squeeze us on the Internet. They're going to find that new technologies and new competitors are going to provide an alternative way for you to get that service. So you got to be careful trying to squeeze revenue in the short term that will cost them money in the long term. Jay joins us on the Clark Howard Show. Hello, Jay. Hey, Clark. Thanks for taking my call. Absolutely. You have a classic dilemma to run by me, and I'm going to just disappoint you so much. There is no one right answer to your question. <laughs> okay. What's the scoop? Um, I bought two, my first two rental properties uh, last year in 2018, and i um, just uh, looking at options, either keeping those properties, you know, under my name or moving them into uh, maybe an LLC and just wondering if um, the, um, you know, sheltering my assets would be better under LLC or tax ramifications or uh, just. So there's no, general- there's no meaningful tax implications, but there are liability shield benefits to having your rental properties in what are called single-issue LLCs, where each is in its own LLC. You'd never want to put multiple rental properties under one LLC umbrella because then you're putting uh, one at risk when there's a liability issue at another. I see. But do you have loans on these properties? I have a loan on one of them and the other one, no loan. So the one with a loan, the lender likely will not permit you to move it to an LLC structure. Okay. Depends on the lender. The one that has no loan, you could move to an LLC. But at two properties, you're talking about some paperwork, some expense setting them up, some ongoing potentially uh, filing fees over the years with the LLCs. Until you get to uh, a larger number of rental properties, doing an umbrella insurance policy maybe more than adequate as an alternative to doing the LLC route. Okay, and I have one of those in place already. And how many dollars do you have on that LLC, on the uh, uh, umbrella policy? It's $1 million. $1 million, if you already own that property free and clear, I assume you may have a personal residence as well? That's right. Mm-hmm. Um, you're probably developing enough asset base that a million-dollar umbrella is not enough. Now, the good news is that past the first million, excess liability policies or umbrella policies get steadily cheaper each million you add. It'd be a lot cheaper than setting up the two LLCs. 
And if you keep acquiring rental properties, the time will come that you definitely will want to go the LLC route with the individual LLCs. And there are lawyers who um, specialize in doing this kind of work uh, in real estate investor clubs that are in metro areas all over the country, lawyers that specialize in LLC establishment for a single-issue rental property tend to advertise mm-hmm. on the websites of local real estate investor groups, and that's how you can find them. I see. So that's fantastic. You got two of them. Even more fantastic, one you own free and clear. Continued success to you in the rental property business. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Hey, listeners, whether you love true crime or comedies, celebrity interviews, news, or even motivational speakers, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue, right? And guess what? Now you can call the shots on your auto insurance, too. Enter the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. The Name Your Price tool puts you in charge of your auto insurance by working just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance. Then they'll show you a variety of coverages that fit within your budget giving you options. Now, that's something you'll want to press play on. It's easy to start a quote, and you'll be able to choose the best option for you, fast. It's just one of the many ways you can save with Progressive Insurance. Quote today at Progressive.com to try the Name Your Price tool for yourself and join over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. It's time for Ask Clark. That's where you post a question for me at clark.com slash ask. And sometimes Joel will ask your question for you. All right, Clark. Dan uh, wrote in and he says, I'm thinking of buying gold. Is it best for me to buy gold coins and keep them at home? No, I, I know that's what most people do. I'm not a fan of that. I really prefer that you buy a gold fund. Then you don't have to worry about the huge... Uh, spread and cost between buying and selling physical gold where you get just eaten up on that and you don't have to worry about somebody stealing your gold and i have on clark.com information about how to buy gold as a fund where it's stored for you in a professional vault versus you buying physical gold you have the same benefit but at much lower cost All right, and Shirley wrote in. She says, I read the article on your site about top-tier gas stations. Does the same advice apply to diesel? Yes, although you never see anything marketed about top-tier diesel, but the same issues are involved. If you're not familiar with top-tier gasoline, it is a standard that goes way beyond state minimum standards as to the quality of the gas that you're buying to put in your vehicle and the same exists if you have a, uh, a pickup truck that runs on diesel or any kind of vehicle that runs on diesel, that if you buy top-tier gr- gas, it doesn't mean that gasoline or diesel that's not top-tier is bad. It just is a standard that gives you more assurance that you're buying fuel that is really good for your vehicle. You're listening to The Clark Howard Show. Thanks for joining us today. The Clark Howard Show is produced by Kim Drobes, Joel Larsgaard, Deborah Reese, and Jim Ayers. And remember, 24 hours a day, we're there to serve you at Clark.com and ClarkDeals.com.